I want to um, share something with you here for a little bit tonight that um, just kind of came to me a couple days ago. It it really kind of connects to a conversation I was in recently, but I really had no intent of uh, communicating anything that may be connected to that, but um, felt like this this verse came and then some other things. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn Luke chapter 22, read starting with verse number 39, Luke 22 and verse number 39. Scripture says, he, it's speaking of Jesus, he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and as his disciples also followed him, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, when he was at the place where he was going, he says to them, in verse number 40, pray that you enter not into temptation. If you go down to verse 44, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat, and his sweat was as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why sleep? Rise and pray. And he says to them the second time to pray the same thing, that you enter lest you enter into temptation. So the first time he says, Pray so that you don't enter into temptation. He comes back and he says, pray lest you enter into temptation. Now, I, I don't think the context here, and, and in fact, let me give you the word, the definition here, the Greek definition of the word temptation. The word here, temptation, means an experiment, an attempt, a trial, a proving. Strong says it means a putting to proof by experiment of good, experience of evil, solicitation, discipline, or provocation, by implication, adversity. So the context here is not temptation in the sense of sin. It's about a testing and a proving of our faith. It is about the fact that more than likely at some point on some level, all of us are going to have our faith tested. And I mean that in a broad context. I mean that in the context of our faith in God to do something. You go to the doctor and the doctor tells you you got a disease. Your faith gets tested. There's few people that get some kind of serious diagnostic diagnosis from the doctor who believe God that still don't have an up and down challenge with their faith. And then more to the other uh, context of with regards to the pressures of the world we're in, whether that's just that's just the pressure to go along and fit in with society or potentially the pressure of, of facing persecution for what we believe, for what we stand for. That is a putting to the test of our faith. 
I, I think part of the context of what Jesus was saying was so that you don't fail the temptation. The word flesh means what can be stripped. This is a great, great definition. What can be stripped off from the bones. You're going to be tested, and a part of the test is going to be a, have to make a decision. Am I going to protect my flesh? Literally, possibly, maybe more so figuratively. Am I going to work to preserve me, or am I going to stand for what my faith says? Where was it? I think I missed the verse. I think it's somebody that's got a Bible. I've got, this is my notes. I don't have my Bible open. Is it the next verse, perhaps, that says, The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Is that the next verse there in Luke, or is it back in Matthew, where Matthew tells it? The Spirit... That's why I read. I threw myself all. Why am I reading the definition of flesh here? I forgot. Because he also says, and maybe it was in Matthew, nobody's helping me. I can't get no help in here. <laughs> Matthew. In Matthew, he says, the spirit is willing. The spirit. The inner man is willing, but the flesh is weak. My inner man wants to face the challenge. My spirit man believes, but I've got this battle with my flesh. Is my flesh going to face the challenge? He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The word weak means infirm or feeble. It means unable to achieve anything great. My spirit desires, but my flesh is weak. See, I, I don't know, I don't know where all we're going, folks. Some of you may think you do. You may be right, you may be wrong. I don't know where all this, this, I don't know where all we're going. I don't know what the future holds for us. What I seem to think I'm getting a glimpse of is it's probably not going to be what I had dreamed and hoped for. We're not, we're not in the good old U.S. of A. anymore where everything's just fine and dandy. I, I saw, and, and we've got very knowledgeable people in this church, in the, in the intelligence community, and so... I can't speak for any of the other ministers, but I like to just keep my mouth shut because I don't want to end up opening my mouth and sticking my foot in my mouth and be ignorant based on what I've been fed by the media <laughs> versus some of the factual things that are known. So with, with that being said, I saw what, I think it was on Fox News, so as whatever degree of reliability you can say, that they are claiming in it that, that what took place in Texas the other night, they're claiming that there are 
70, I think 70-something ISIS agents throughout this country right now willing and ready to carry out commands. I don't know how, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know. Bottom line is we just saw something happen on our soil. We've seen stuff happen. The point is, it's not just over in the Middle East. So I, I don't know. And, and, and I, I had this conversation with someone the other day, and I thought this a whole lot. Whether, whether, it's, whether it's physical, the, the threat of physical persecution, or whether it's the threat of, of you know, they, they, as of right now, supposedly, we don't, if we, if we don't believe in it, we don't stand, agree with it, then we, we are not forced to participate in same-sex marriage. And yet there are indicators that that's not necessarily going to last. I don't know what you've thought, and some of you don't have to, to worry about this particular context, but I, I thought, what, what, what if, Brother Barr, I am personally faced with do this or else? Do this or face lawsuit. Do this or face... Do I have what it takes? Sorry you got stuck with me tonight. <laughs> oh, I know some of us, I, I got it. Bless God, I'm, I'll die for this. That's what Peter said. Oh, I'm ready to go. Bring it on. That's what Peter said. I'll die for you, Lord. The Lord said, ah, before the cock crows three times, your faith's going to get tested. And you're going to fail. Fortunately, he said, I prayed for you. That it fail not. And that the ultimate outcome is going to be okay. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I look at that and I think, man, if, if, if the original rock, not the Dwayne Johnson rock. The rock before this rock. The little rock. If Peter, who had the keys in his pocket, Brother Jetty could face that situation. The, the thing, I, and I was thinking about it today, the thing that's interesting is he's there in the garden and, and he's got his sword and he's ready to fight and die, fight to the death that moment. And then, and then just a little while later, there's no swords. There's no fight that's about to take place. But in that moment, he says, I don't know him. I wonder if maybe Peter missed a moment in the garden that it wasn't just Jesus needing to get ready for temptation, for testing and proving, but it was Peter as well and the others that needed to be preparing. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but Jesus prayed something in that garden that I'm really appreciative He prayed. Because it makes me feel a whole lot better about me. Because He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Don't make me have to go through it. I don't know about, I, I know I'm in the company of some heroes of the faith here tonight and a bunch of super saints in this place tonight. You got big S's on your spiritual t-shirts. I, I honor you tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I get a, micro, uh, a microscope out. And I don't know if I can find an S for super anything. 
Although I, sometimes I do think I find an S super scared. Super well. <laughs> he said, you, you need to pray that you don't enter in to temptation. That you don't find yourself in a moment of testing of your faith and not be prepared for it. So I'm not here tonight to talk about persecution and whatever alone. Because some of us may very well never face anything to that extent. Yet all of us are going to face from time to time the testing and the proving of our faith. And I've got to be ready because my spirit may be willing, but my flesh may be weak. And sometimes the weakness of the flesh overpowers the willingness of the spirit. You permit me, bear with me for a few moments. Let me read a little bit to you. This is from Adam Clark's commentary. He says, with regards to the phrase that you enter not into temptation. If you cannot endure a little fatigue when there is no suffering, how will you do when the temptation, the great trial of your fidelity and courage cometh? Watch that ye be not taken unawares, and pray that when it comes you may be enabled to bear it. Regards to the statement, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, your inclinations are good, ye are truly sincere. But your good purposes will be overpowered by your timidity. You wish to continue steadfast in your adherence to your master, but your fears will lead you to desert him. See, we, we, we sit tonight in the in, the, in the, the safety and security, if you will, of this sanctuary. Basically, all believing the same thing here tonight. Maybe, maybe we have varying degrees of understanding, and maybe we have some that are able to, 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 to you know, point by point, communicate it better than others, but we all sit here tonight with faith. I don't think there's a person that's taking the time to be here tonight that doesn't have faith. Doesn't have a belief in what we... But, but that's easy for us to sit here and, and be one God apostolic tongue-talking holy rollers. That's, that's simple right here. It's simple to believe that without holiness no man shall see God right here. It's simple to believe in the distinction of the sexes right here in this atmosphere. It's, it's simple to believe in one God right here and heaven and hell and all those things right here. But sitting at a table with other clergy members, some who have been to seminary, I find it a little more challenging to stand firmly. Sorry, more transparency. I stand here right now. I got no. Why? Let's go. Let's ready to rumble. Let's go. But I don't know about you. I just don't. I don't want to just be ready right now. And whatever the moment is, I may have to be put to the test. And whatever the moment is that my faith may be challenged, again, whether it's as extreme as some kind of physical persecution, or if it's just in the context of sitting around in a group of people and deciding, am I going to be willing to share what I believe? Not be, not come across critical, judgmental, self-righteous, whatever, but am I going to be willing to stand up for what I believe, or am I going to give in to the temptation and fail the test? Barnes note says this, 
Again, the phrase that you enter not into temptation, that you be not overcome and oppressed with these trials of your faith so as to deny me. The word temptation here properly means what would test their faith in the approaching calamities in his rejection and death. It would try their faith. Because though they believed that he was the Messiah, they were not very clearly aware of the necessity of his death. And they did not fully understand that he was to rise again. They had cherished the belief that he was to establish a kingdom while he lived. When they should see him, therefore, rejected, tried, crucified, dead, when they should see him submit to all as if he had no power to deliver himself, then would be the trial of their faith. And in view of that, he exhorted them to pray that they might not so enter temptation as to be overcome by it and fall. Anybody can be a part of the first two-thirds or so of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, they did this, and by faith, they did that, and by faith, they defeated giants, and by faith, they overcame, and by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Noah, by, and that's all, man, woo, sign me up. <laughs> but then it says, uh, others. Isn't it interesting how it goes from naming all these great things to then just saying, others. This is my own personal take on it. I, 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 just, just my view on it. It does that because the, the, the Lord knew. We, we like all that great accomplishment stuff. We, we don't really as much like the fact that some, through faith, were sawn asunder. We don't like the fact that some, through faith, lost children and lost lives. And so, we needed to know it, but we don't want to know that part as well. So it's just all these great things. And by the way, just so you know, there are some others. Not everybody gets their miracle. Everybody does get their healing. Everybody gets, there's not a prayer for healing that's never been answered. Just a matter of where that prayer gets answered. Sometimes it gets answered in this life. Sometimes he waits on eternal life. These all, see, it's one thing to live in faith. Kind of like I taught in the last session. As long as there's still an opportunity for God to do what I'm believing for, I can keep believing. The problem is, when it becomes pretty obvious, God is not going to do what I'm asking Him to do. It's one thing for the unbeliever who doesn't believe God can do something. It's a whole different thing for you and I that believe God can do something and then watch God not do it. I don't know about you, but that's been one of the greatest challenges throughout my walk with God is the things I knew God could do, but He chooses not to do. Come on, God, you can heal this person. You can do that. You can take care of this. Why aren't you doing it? I know there's... Plenty of theological explanations for that, but that doesn't always change the challenge of trying to still believe in spite of the fact God is choosing not to do what you're asking Him to do. 
Anybody can live in faith. Not everybody can die in faith. These all died in faith. They they had not seen the promises with their natural eye, but they had seen them afar off. And even though they were dying without the tangible fulfillment of the promises, they died with the absolute faith and certainty that even if it was after their death it happened, it was still going to happen. That is a faith that is able to endure temptation. That, That is a faith where it's not just a willing spirit Something has happened to be able to deal with that pressure and challenges. It goes on to say, with regards to the spirit, indeed, is willing. The mind, the heart is ready and disposed to bear these trials. But the flesh, the natural feelings through the fear of danger is weak and will be likely to lead you astray when the trial comes. Though you may have strong faith and believe now that you will not deny me, yet human nature is weak and shrinks at trials, and you should therefore seek strength from on high. This was intended to excite them, notwithstanding he knew that they loved him to be on their guard, lest the weakness of human nature should be insufficient to sustain them in the hour of their temptation. We've been wired with Survival instinct. (laughs) It's only people who are dealing with mental issues that purposefully hurt themselves. (laughs) It is within our nature to avoid stuff that hurts. Nobody has to teach a child, if you touch something hot, then you need to pull your hand away. It's in our nature. It's in our nature to protect ourselves. So it is in our lives. We see stuff that seems to be dangerous and we withdraw. The problem is when the the shepherd is leading us into the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know about you, but if I was the psalmist, I would have much rather written it, Yea, though I walk around the valley with a bird's eye view of what's going on. Hey, God, listen, I'm, I'm fine if you want to take me the scenic route and let, I, I, I'll be very thankful if you'll show me what I missed. I mean, really, I will. I don't, I don't need you to take me through it to prove to me you can get me through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Boy, my faith is secure. I got. I am committed. I am dedicated. I, Brother Hood and I were talking a few little bit the other day and we were talking about the danger and the pitfalls of ministry and the some of the pitfalls that the enemy likes to send the way of 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 those that are involved in the ministry and having and one of and one of the most dangerous things is when you somehow reach a point you start to feel like you're exempt from certain situations i would never do x or y or z 
I've watched a lot of men and women that I thought were much greater than I in my lifetime end up doing things that I never thought they would do. And my reaction most of the time is not to judge them. It's to go find me a place to pray because it scares me to death. If they could do this, I never would have dreamed it. Then where does that put me? So Paul says, take heed when you think you stand. I mean, it's one thing if I stood here as your pastor tonight, and I, if I said to you, Brother Skip, I, 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 was, I, just, I was praying, and, and the Lord put you on my heart, and I really feel like you're about to face a really challenging situation, and, I, and, and I'm concerned that you're going to deny God and deny your faith in God. It, it, it wouldn't be a problem if, if Brother Skip looked at me and said, you know, I, uh, Pastor, I think you're missing that one. I think you, I don't think you heard from God on that one, Pastor. I'm not, you know what, I could, I'd walk away saying, well, Brother Skip, I hope you're right. I hope I did miss it. <laughs> but Peter wasn't talking to his pastor. Well, he was talking to his pastor in a context, but not a pastor in the same sense as this pastor. Brother Tino, he was standing, Peter's talking to Jesus. God in the flesh that knows everything. And God is standing there telling Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. And he gets, he gets angry. I'm not, I will never deny you. Peter, you're going to deny me. Not me, Lord. Somebody else. It's kind of scary to think Peter didn't simply respond and say, okay, Lord, would you please pray for me? No, he fought. He argued. I will never. I'll never deny you. Before the cock crows three times, Peter, you'll deny me. Not me, Lord. Yeah? Because when you think you stand, be careful, lest you fall. When you think you've got it all settled and worked out and you got this all figured, anybody ever had one of those times in which your prayer life was, I mean, it was on a roll? I mean, it was almost like you didn't even think about going to pray. You just all of a sudden realize, hey, I'm praying. Boy, I mean, you're, I mean, it's, there is, it's, 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 there's spirit of prayer and I mean, powerful and it's anointed and, and, and you can, I mean, you just, you, you got it and you said, boy, man, well, this is one area I got down. I'm, for the rest of my life, my prayer life's good. And then all of a sudden, it's like the rug gets, yanked out from under you and you had somebody holding a gun to your head you wouldn't pray <laughs> I presume by your laughter that I'm not the only one that has been through that I can remember I think it was like in my early 20s I am not an early morning person I am not I am not a late night person either <laughs> I don't like getting up early and I can't stay awake late I've slept through a lot of movies I wanted to watch. They weren't boring. It, I just, sorry, it's 8, 9, 9.30, and, and I am one of those very blessed people that sleeping, going to sleep is not a problem. And I can do it pretty much just about anywhere. You let me sit down, give me a spot in the corner, give me a few minutes, and I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm not, I don't consider myself a lazy person. I love to work. I, 
I think I like at least I like to think I got my I got a Remus Singletary gene in my gene pool. I enjoy working. I enjoy working. I I like I like accomplishing stuff. So I'm not lazy, but I don't like to get up early. Hate getting up early. Despise getting up early. Every morning my alarm goes off for me to get up and go play ball. I want to throw my phone and break it. Hate it. I can remember, I think I was, I think it was somewhere in my mid-twenties, we were actually living in Harwood, and somebody had come through and preached on early morning prayer. Oh, please, y'all ever notice I ain't brought nobody here to preach on early morning prayer? (laughs) I'm all about that seek ye first stuff, but let's not put an exact time on that first. (laughs) That's first when your day starts. Not when somebody else decides. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I was convicted and I started out. We were living in Harwood at the time and I, I went in a, in a apartment in my parents' house, Angie and I. And, 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 and I mean, that's, that's, was 20, 25 minute drive depending on whatever degree. And, and man, I, I went through several weeks where I was getting up. I mean, I, most of the most of my life, I've lived within a ten-minute drive of this church, and that's so wonderful. I know most of you don't have that blessing and benefit. Sorry, but I, I fortunately I have had it, and I love it. And 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 but I mean that and, and I was man every day. Well, I was I was here six a.m. and and I I actually can remember thinking, boy, I got this down now. I have conquered this giant in my life. I don't know if in the last 20 years I have ever successfully got back into a routine of early morning prayer. I'm I'm pretty confident I'm okay. I'm not going to hell as long as I pray. (laughs) Brother Hood said it to to these guys in the meeting the other night. You know, I I don't know about you, but even those days I, I, I was consistent in prayer. I don't like to walk the whole time I pray. I like to sit sometimes and at 6.30 in the morning, if I sit, there's usually a couple of really good hallelujahs and next thing you know, I'm gone. I'll actually lay before the Lord. How about that? That's good. I'm happy to make myself prostrate for you. Be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. Listen to what, uh, listen, l- listen to Jeremiah, something I think is very connected to what uh, the Lord was saying to the disciples passage, I know many of you are familiar with, but Jeremiah 12 and 4, he says this, How long shall the land mourn, and the herbs every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed, and the birds, because they said, He shall not see our last end. This is that's, that's Jeremiah kind of complaining a little bit. And this is the Lord's response. If you, if, if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, how wilt thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? Amplified, verse 5, but the Lord rebukes Jeremiah's impatience, saying, If you have raced with men on foot and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? 
And if you take to flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, then what will you do when you tread the tangled maze of jungle haunted by lions and the swelling and the flooding of the Jordan? Message Bible. Oh, I thought I had the message Bible. I don't. He said, if, if you can't, if you can't be faithful when things aren't that bad, if you can't be faithful to the house of God without persecution, what's going to happen when it comes? If you can't put God first in a season in which things are really not as bad as they could be, what's going to happen when things get bad? If you can't walk up the steps without getting out of breath, don't go sign up for the Boston Marathon. See, what we miss is that God is allowing us the seasons of our lives that we're in. And again, I don't want this to, I don't want to end up leaving here tonight and all you get out of this was, was persecution and whatever's coming in the future. Cause that's, that, that, while that's an element, again, that's not, that's not all that I feel of trying to communicate to you here tonight. Cause some of you very well may never face that, but you're going to face the trying and the testing of your faith. And so God allows things along the way to come, to test and prove. And not just test and prove, but to strengthen, to develop, to grow our faith. Adam Clark says this, If the smallest evils to which thou art exposed cause thee to make so many bitter complaints, how will you feel when in the course of thy prophetic ministry you shall be exposed to much greater, from enemies much more powerful? Footmen may here be the symbol of common, ev- common evil events, horsemen of evil events which... evil of evils much more terrible. If thou have sunk under small difficulties, what wilt thou do when great one come? Great ones come. If you can't stand up boldly for your faith in the office on the job, what are you going to do when you're faced with the possibility of punishment or persecution for your faith? If all I ever do now is based on what's convenient and comfortable, again, in some level or some degree, every one of us is going to get tested. You're going to face circumstances and situations. And, and not, I, I've said it several times in different places and even recently in a couple places, but there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. I should have asked first. How many of you have unanswered prayers? I should have asked that. Now you're not going to respond. If I would have asked how many of you have unanswered prayers, I probably would have gotten some hands up. But there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. The reason we have unanswered prayers is we didn't get a yes answer. And we have decided that it's our right to have all of our prayers answered the way we pray them. So therefore, if I ask God to do something and He doesn't do it, I put it in the category of an unanswered prayer. When there's not a parent in the room tonight that would be any kind of a good parent, if the only answer you ever gave was yes. I got challenged some by, well, not some, I got challenged a whole lot by Sister Joe Strand 
in a lot of different ways. And one of those, I, I, I took some challenges as a father, and especially with regards to the two young men in my house. The need to learn some responsibility. And, and, and she said in there, she made the comment about, uh, you know, if you give them a curfew and, and if they come home 5, 10, 15 minutes late, you better watch out. They're proving something to you. I think he, Timothy went out of here. He's not in here. Kind of doubting he'll watch the archive of this, so I think I'm safe unless you go tell him. That includes you. Last week he was playing Minecraft or something on a computer. I said, you got 30 minutes. He was Skyping and playing Minecraft with his cousin who I think was in Boston at the time. Oh, he just got on. He kept rah, rah. 30 minutes. And I was sitting in the, right, in the room right next to him in my chair doing something. And 9.30 came. And he continued. So I made up my mind. I was going to let him enjoy his next 30 minutes or so. And when it was said and done, finally told him to get off. I said, you've now lost technology for the next week. What, what, what? Didn't I tell you when to get off? Yes. Did you? I didn't know what time. Not my fault. He, I think it was Saturday. I get this text, Dad, and this really this shows you how just intelligent. Dad, can I play Xbox with Nathaniel? As if somehow that was going to soften my heart because he was going to bring his brother into it. No. See, I, I, I would not, I would be a popular parent in my kids' eyes if the answer was always yes. But I would be the worst parent in the world they could have. So why is it we want a God who only says yes? And then when He doesn't say yes, again, some of you heard I said this somewhere recently preaching, so forgive me if it was your congregation, but... But, but there's, there's been a few times one of my kids has asked a question. It did not even warrant the effort of a verbal response. All it needed was a look. R- really? You're actually asking me that? Really? They didn't need interpretation. That was not tongues that needed interpretation. They understood. That was a no. The problem is we can't see God's face. So we can't see Him giving us the same... Really? You want that? You're asking me... But what we can hear is His silence. And just as my silence can be an answer of no to my kids, God's silence can be an answer of no to me. So I got good news for all of you tonight that have been praying some prayers that are unanswered. You got an answer. Well, he said to knock and keep knocking. Well, keep on knocking. Just as long as you do like the three Hebrew children said. Our God can, but if he doesn't. See, I've heard some, especially some of these preachers who are or who are very strong into into the miraculous and healing and all of that 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 somehow if you pray and and then you add on there if it's your will then you're expressing doubt and unbelief i in in a way it can be a cop out 
I do believe that. You could use that as a call. God, do this, but if it, you know, if it's your will. But at the same time, that's also, if it's said in the right way, is an expression of trust. God, I'm asking you to do this, and I know you can do it. But if you choose not to, I'm still going to trust you anyway. That's why we all need faith. We also need trust. Faith is the confidence in what God can do. Faith is a confidence in God's ability that nothing is too hard for God. Trust is a confidence in God's character. Hello? Faith has to do more so with God's ability. Trust has to do more so with who God is. My faith says God can do this. My trust says if he doesn't do what he can, he's still God. And my trust also says he's my heavenly father. And if he's withholding something from me, he's not withholding something good. And so if I think it's good and he's still withholding it, he sees something I can't see. And so rather than my faith being tested and I give up my faith and I lack confidence and trust in him, I'm going to stand firm and still keep believing in spite of what he does or doesn't do. 1 Peter 4.12, I'm closing. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Think it not strange. It ties also kind of back to the last session as well. How often do we, when something goes wrong, it's, it's the automatic question is, what have I done wrong? Peter says, don't think it's strange when you fall into fiery trial. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. But what? (laughs) All right, I'll work on the part of not thinking it's strange, but we're going to stop right there. Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. I don't like that. Why am I a partaker of his sufferings? That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amplified, beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual, and alien to you and your position were befalling you. But in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice so that when his glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph exultantly. Lastly, the message Bible. Friends, when life gets really difficult... Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. Be glad? Why? Yes. Because it's a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I don't believe in all this stuff that when everything's going wrong, it's the devil trying to keep you out of your destiny. Do I believe the devil fights us? Absolutely. But do I believe everything that opposes us is the devil because we are a step away from our destiny? No, I don't. What I do believe is God allows the devil to do some stuff because it's a part of the refining process. I believe it was Peter also who says, The trial of your faith, the trial of your faith, not your faith, The trial of your faith 
is more precious than gold. The, why, why, why did he say that? I think the reason he said that is because an untried faith doesn't have as much value as a tried faith. Anybody can say they have faith when it's never been put to the test. It's a whole other thing to have faith that has withstood the test. That's why it goes back to my favorite verse in all of the Bible, if it's okay to have a favorite verse. And that's when Job says, at the end of all of his stuff, he said, I heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now I have seen you. I spent the first number of years of my life, first significant season of my life, probably least into my teens, I would imagine, maybe even a little beyond that, hearing a whole lot about God. I don't stand here before you tonight with my faith and my commitment and my beliefs because of what I've heard anymore. I now stand because of what I've seen. You can't, you, you, you can't, I've said it before, I've been born and raised in this. I was in church within the first week of my life. On a, it, I don't think we had car seats back then. I probably just got put on the floor somewhere. I don't know. I was in church. I, 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 I'm a, if it, this, this is normal to me. All of this craziness is normal to me. And yet sometimes it's craziness to me. I've pretty much seen just about everything there is to see. And yet sometimes I stand up on the platform and watch somebody do something. I'm like, that, that's just crazy. It's crazy. It's, cra- it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And, 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 and then, and then I do this thing that most of you hopefully do every day. Or hopefully all of you do it every day. And, and I start praying and I start getting these, you know, these, these sounds out of my mouth that I got no clue what they mean. And my even with my apostolic heritage, I still stand there with my business management degree going, what in the world is this? I don't know, but it's coming out, so I'm letting it come. My ultimate point, man, you, you've come a little too late to tell me tongues is not real. We were, we were investigating some educational options. Angie went, called a school. And they sent you to the form, correct? Online, and I'll be kind and not tell you the denomination. And she's reading down, and she gets, and, and, the, quest, and the question was, or statement, do you promote speaking in tongues and faith healing? Do you promote speaking in tongues and faith healing? And if you check yes, there's no need to proceed anymore. Now I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I the the, the speaking in tongues part, I, I, okay, I can under I I can deal with you having trouble with that. Honestly, I, I hope I'm not disillusioning you. I, I can sort of understand that from the context and the background, the religious background you may have been raised in, but but healing. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Won't be wasting my prayers on you. <laughs> no, not really. See, see, you, I'm sorry, you've come too late to tell me tongues isn't real. You've come too late to tell me God doesn't heal. You, you've come too late. 
I have a tested and proven faith. I've been through some temptation that I wasn't sure I was going to make it through. Stand, please, and let me keep your attention while you're standing, if possible, as I quit. How many of you remember the message at all? Brother Morgan has preached it. It may have been at Gather. I don't remember if it was Gather or actually one of our services. The message about a man going to build and counting the cost. Anybody remember that at all? How can you count the cost when you don't ultimately know all of the things you're going to face? And part of his point in that message was, there are some things that may be in my future that I might stand here and say I'm ready for them, but I don't really know because I I can't ultimately count the cost for what I don't know. And so the trust is, like I taught in the last session, okay, God, I am not going to be naive enough to think that I am firmly standing and will never fall. I need you to help me. And I need, whenever I face my moments, whatever, whatever the context of it is, whenever I face my moments of temptation, that I will not just have a spirit that's willing, but I'll have a spirit that is victorious and I'm not overwhelmed by the weakness of my flesh. Father, help us tonight. God, in whatever way this may apply to individuals here tonight and circumstances they're in or whatever way it applies to what we may face in various ways in our future, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need. I pray, God, that you would help us to have a faith that is able to withstand whatever temptation may come our way, whatever testing and trying of our faith. It may be in our finances, it may be in our families, it may be in our bodies, whatever way it may be, God, that we would have a faith that is able to withstand the temptation so that we can also experience the glory that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.